0: You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. The Marlins did it again. They sweep the Cubs here in two games to go to the next round, the ALDS against the Braves. This game, the Marlins, similar to the mold of yesterday, or day before yesterday, of course, I forgot about the torrential downpour in Chicago yesterday, which postponed the game to today, didn't make a difference for the Marlins. Darvish was great. I will say that tip of the cap to Darvish. He was using all of his pitches, especially the cutter and the slider in all counts. The Marlins just battled up there, and they continued to wait him out, took notes almost after each at-bat, and you saw every time they'd come up the next time against Darvish, they'd have a little bit more of a plan. Started squaring the ball up a little bit more. I think a big turning point where you started to see the hitters have a plan was when Matt Joyce hit that shot down the line that was caught by Hayward, which, by the way, Hayward made that look like a routine catch. That was a double with most guys in right field. And he just caught that in stride. But at that point, you had started to see the Marlins hitters sell out a little bit more for that cutter and for that slider. And if Darvish was locating the fastball, which he did for a couple guys, they were taking it, sometimes for strike three. But I liked that approach better because then you get Garrett Cooper, and finally a slider backs up on Darvish there. And Cooper's able to get enough of it, even though he was a little out front, to poke it out of there. Cooper continues to come up clutch. And has really been the player that we expected, right? We knew if he could be healthy that he would be a really, really solid hitter and a steady contributor. And he's been just that. This has been an all-around effort for the Marlins, and it's been such a blast. But I I can't get into anything else without talking about Sixto Sanchez. The 22-year-old shows his guts tonight, or today, I should say, and really just was able to battle He was lights out in the first three innings. That was the 6-0 that we saw earlier in the season where the fastball command was there. He was working off of his changeup well, locating it down in the zone, pitching to both sides of the plate, which is huge. Instead of having that fastball run back over the middle, he was able to locate it on both sides of the plate. I really liked what I saw from him. When we got to the fourth and fifth innings, the velo started to taper down a little bit, and he started to lose command a little bit. And that's where I'm interested in seeing Sixto in the next start, see if he can pace himself a little bit better because he comes out throwing 100 miles an hour. And I know he is always going to throw the ball hard, but I think he could pace himself a little bit better, meaning you don't have to come out throwing as hard as you can right out of the gate. As you want to start to work deeper into ball games, try and pace yourself. Try to—he could sit 97 to 98 instead, and it's just he's got so much energy on the mound out there. I think there was a lot of adrenaline in this postseason start at Wrigley Field. I know there were no fans, but it doesn't matter. 22-year-old pitching against the Cubs for a chance to send his team to the next round—he's going to be pumped up, and he was able to control those emotions and control that adrenaline in a way that he was able to stay within himself on the mound. But I do think he was exerting himself a little bit, and that's why we saw him run out of steam in the fourth and fifth innings, but the difference with Sixto in this start was as he ran out of steam, he was still able to stay poised, he was still able to throw strikes and get out of those jams. Yes, he got some help with the fact that the Cubs absolutely cannot hit the ball right now, but still very impressed with Sixto Sanchez to go those five strong innings, striking out six in what was the biggest start of his young career, To save Pablo Lopez now, to save the bullpen from having to pitch a third game, to give the Marlins a few more days off. It's just such such a big, big performance by Sixto Sanchez, and I can't say enough about that. Imagine the experience that this kid is going to have going into next year. He has not only learned the hard way of getting roughed up by a couple good lineups in the regular season, But he's also dominated in certain times against good lineups as well. And now he's picked up a win in the postseason. He's going to go into next year with a lot to be proud of and a lot to look at and know what to improve upon. It's going to be his league next year. I really think so. And he should have his rookie eligibility. I would be, I might put some money on Sixto Sanchez to win rookie of the year. And I usually don't place any wagers on the Marlins or anything like that. But. He would be far and away my favorite to win rookie of the year next year just off of what we're seeing from him start to start, him developing, improving, learning more about how he works and how to use his stuff properly and stay in within himself. I think that he's going to come out next year and be lights out even more so than what we've seen right now. He's going to have a whole offseason to work on that, you know, building himself up going deeper into games, getting into better shape. That was something he focused on while he was at the alternate training site. So a lot to be excited about with Sixto Sanchez. And we didn't even need to see Pablo Lopez throw in this series. And Pablo, you could probably make the case, is the Marlins number two right now, even though when Sixto pitches like that, he's their number two. But Pablo, consistency-wise, he might be the Marlins' second-best pitcher, and they don't even need him to beat the Cubs at Wrigley. Absolutely unbelievable and just so proud of this team. I I never thought I'd use the word proud for a team that I watch or cover, or whatever it may be, but how can you use any other word? With with everything they've gone through, with everything we've seen, beating the Cubs at Wrigley, just all the stars that they have, whether those stars are underachieving or not, for a 22-year-old to stare 60 feet, 6 inches away at Wilson Contreras, at Chris Bryant, at Anthony Rizzo, at all of those guys, Kyle Schwarber, and just go right at him. I just love to see that. Javi Baez, too, just going right at those guys. I loved to see that. And Hayward was probably the best offensive player for the Cubs this year, and he went right at him, too. So I just loved what we saw from Sixto Sanchez. Man, is that kid fearless. The Marlins' bullpen holds up again. Yimmy Garcia, I was a little bit nervous there, and I was not. I was not thrilled with what we saw from him. I'm glad that he was able to get out of that inning. But if I'm going to be harsh there... After he hit wilson Contreras the first time, then the second time, it wasn't intentional, of course, but one, you don't want to make that same mistake twice and have the fastball get away from you. Then it seems like he let Wilson get in his head a little bit because then his control and command started to go wayward a little bit. And he gave up some, some loud fly balls all over 90 miles per hour off the bat, and those could have got out. I mean, they just missed under those pitches, and that was a scary moment there. You don't want to see Yimmy Garcia get rattled that easily. That is exactly what a struggling Cubs team wanted. They wanted to get into the head of Yimmy Garcia, and he let them. Fortunately, he was able to get out of it. They kind of got themselves out on some good pitches to hit that they hit a mile in the air and still 350 feet into dead center. Just fortunate that they hit it to the biggest part of the yard and the ball wasn't carrying too great. But you, you really need to see your setup man be more poised than that. I'm still happy that Garcia was able to at least get those outs. And then Brandon Kinsler gives up the loud double but then settles in, and that pitch is nasty. That sinking action to it where it looks like it's going to be off the plate away and then it catches the corner, it's really giving hitters fits right now. And the fact that he's got more velo on it is really helping him, and he's just been really, really effective. I think you can count on him right now to continue to be that guy to get those last three outs and – again, just continues to prove me wrong, and it's so nice to see because Brandon Kinsler is a likable guy, I'll tell you that. From the interviews you see, from the emotion on the mound as a veteran, I just love everything that guy is about, and now he's backing it up on the mound. So that's a great anchor for the Marlins' bullpen. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You know I've told you time and time again about The 12 original flavors, and you've probably heard me say it enough times now about the six new ones, I always mention the new Apple Almond Crisp, Carrot Cake, Caramel Brownie, and my favorite, Cookies and Cream. Can't go wrong with any of those flavors, but the best part about Built Bar is that they are low in calories, low in fat, low in carbs, and high in protein, which, what else would you want in a protein bar that tastes really good, they taste great, they're covered in chocolate, they're easy to chew, and here's a quick little flavor profile. Let's find one I haven't done already. Uh, Let's do cookies and cream. Maybe I've done that one before. Not sure, but cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein right there. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. It's tough to beat that, and they taste really good. You can take my word for it. And as you may already know, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON at BiltBar.com, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's LOCKEDON at BiltBar.com for $10 off your next order and – For a limited time, you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. That's promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com for $10 off of your next order and a free cooler. So the Marlins win. They're going on to play the Braves in a best-of-five series now, even cooler. If the Marlins are somehow to get past the Braves, if they're somehow able to get past the Braves, jeez, I'm so excited, I'm talking too fast. I can't even get all my words out. If the Marlins get past the Braves, the NLCS which is in Arlington, fans are actually allowed. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't know what the deal is. I doubt I will be able to get credentialed for that. But I may have to sell some baseball cards to get to that game because I, you know, damn well I want to be at that game and I'll be able to do any coverage I can from there, whether I get credentialed or not. I figure it's going to be probably pretty tough to get credentialed for the AL or NLCS either or with everything going on in a new stadium in Texas and we'll see. We'll see. You never know. But there's always something weird happening right now with this baseball season, but I am excited that they're going to allow some fans, because I was watching that Padres game, and it was so much fun yesterday. And I want to say, as much as I want to say it feels the same, when the Padres hit back-to-back home runs to tie it or to take the lead, I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but whatever it was, when you got Machado hitting a bomb. You have Tatis hitting a bomb and bat flipping and screaming into the dugout. Like, you need that roaring, the roar of the fans there. And you need all that excitement. I just went to the University of Miami game against FSU. And, yeah, there's a limited amount of fans there. But it was still enough. You have that excitement. Just the, the real natural roar when something good happens is just enough to make it feel a little bit more authentic. And let's be honest. We're pretty used to seeing 11,000 fans at a ball game. And that's been enough at times. I've had some really electric ballgames at Marlins Park or at Pro Player Stadium, whatever it was at the time of that year, because it changed its name every six months, Sun Life, whatever you want to call it. It was enough sometimes with 11,000 fans, sometimes less than that, where the Marlins would have a great game, and it would just be such a rowdy bunch that you would feel like there was more people there. And it's because you have like the super fan. That's the thing that people don't realize is the Marlins, they might not have the attendance numbers that some other stadiums have or some other teams have, but those fans that do show up, they are loud, they are passionate, and they are really into it. And that's what's special about the core group of Marlins fans. But what I like about this whole situation here is hopefully people will start to open up and be more open-minded about the idea of joining this team and rooting for them. Because, one, they're likable. Two, they're actually good. You know, this is not some team that backed into the playoffs because of a shortened season, and that's the only reason why they're in. That's the Brewers. That's not the Marlins. Would the Marlins have gotten in in a 162-game season – Probably not. We'll never know. But they didn't back in. They played quality baseball. They were in the better half of the league and run scored. They were great when it counted, when it comes to pitching. If you look at the bullpen, if you take out Jordan Yamamoto and one or two other guys that were thrown in there just to literally eat the innings and take all the bullets. It was pretty much, they were pretty much meat shields for the Marlins, just holding up a person in front of them so they could take all the bullets, which I feel really bad. And it was tough to see. But if you take those guys out, the Marlins bullpen was actually the better half in the better half of the league in terms of ERA as well. So this is a team all around that just finds a way to win. They're pretty good at everything, but they don't have a gaping hole. And that's what really works for them. Then you combine that with the grittiness with that just fun aspect to them, with the fact that they're playing with house money, like Brandon Kintzler said. And that's where you get a team that is doing what they're doing right now. I'm not going to talk too much about the Brave series because i got a few days to start previewing that. So I want to talk a little bit more about what the Marlins were just able to do. They just beat probably the Cy Young runner-up in Yu Darvish. And the way they did it is playing great defense behind your pitcher, quality pitching, keeping your team in the game, being patient, and then striking when you finally can, when Darvish finally made the mistake, when Hendricks finally made the mistake. And again, it's the veterans. It's the veterans that step up. The Marlins wouldn't be here without the young guys. Don't get me wrong. But it's the veterans on this stage that make the adjustment in their third at-bat, that realize after a couple at-bats, okay, this is what I need to look for, and if he makes this mistake or if he gives me this pitch, I'm going to put it into the ivy or over the ivy into the seats out there because that's what the veterans can do, and that's what the young guys are going to learn. And that's why it's no coincidence that Dickerson did it in his third at bat against Hendricks, that three run shot. And then Aguilar did it in his third at bat because they make adjustments. They've been here before. Maybe they have not been in a postseason situation against Kyle Hendricks or you, Darvish, but they've gone against a really good pitcher that got the best of them in the first two at bats, and they've made adjustments in the past to beat them. That's baseball. And that's how you really separate yourself from the rest of the pack. And that's what veterans really do for you. And that's something the Marlins had been missing in previous seasons. The professional type of hitters like Corey Dickerson and now Garrett Cooper. He had a non-veteran-like at-bat in game one when he swung at a curveball that he rolled over on when he was supposed to be looking for something to lift. That being said, he comes into this ball game, makes some adjustments after the first two at-bats were tough, and was sitting on that slider and gave it a ride out to left field. That's the MO for this team right now has been quality pitching, good defense, and timely hitting. This team's not going to be a firepower of an offense. We know that, but they don't need to be. As long as they pitch well and they are able to hit well situationally, though they didn't do that as well in game one. They've been able to pick up the big hits instead. You got to do one or the other, and they did that in this ballgame. But situationally, they're a little bit better. Magnera-Sierra with a big hit, and I love to see Sierra in the lineup. The other thing I love is on top of having these veterans, which are so great to have when you're trying to get to a really good pitcher, they also have young guys in Brinton and Monte Harrison that late in the ballgame, You bring in, of course, they're a defensive upgrade, but then they wreak havoc on the bases. Literally within five seconds of Lewis Brinson getting brought in for Matt Joyce on second base, Sierra hits that ground ball into right field, there is zero chance that Matt Joyce scores on that. Zero. And Brinson comes back around third and scores relatively easily. I mean, it was a little close, but he he had to get on his horse, but there's no way Matt Joyce would have scored on that ball. I'm sorry. And that's the amazing thing is, You have a plus runner that you can just throw out there on the second base, and it's not like you're just throwing some guy that can only run out there. Now he's going out to the outfield, and he's – a premium defender and if he has to hit he's been hitting pretty well so it's it's really just a deep team all of a sudden and then monte harrison he swipes a bag, he's re- wreaking havoc on the base paths and he's a plus defender out there the bat not quite there yet but you know that's what's great about this team you got veteran hitters and then you got young speedsters that play plus defense that you can put in for them late in the ball game and that can wreak havoc on the bases when it's a 1-1 game, one nothing game, you really need to run, they can take that extra bag. They can take that extra base. They can be aggressive. And there's going to be times where it comes back to bite you. We've seen it. But I like that. This team has to play fearless. I've said it time and time again. I wasn't upset when Monte Harrison got thrown out at third base against the Braves. I wasn't upset because that's how this team needs to play. They need to live and die by that. And I think it's going to go in their favor more than not. And that seems to be what's happening. And I love it and I want to see that aggression, that's playing with the house money right there. Monte Harrison trying to go to third, and Freddie Freeman putting a perfect throw hitting Dansby Swanson on the run, that's playing with the house money. Sometimes you're going to put a big bet down, and unfortunately the dealer is going to flip an ace. That's just what happens, but I'll take my chances, and the Marlins have been doing that, and it's been great to see. This team keeps rolling so big to be able to preserve that pitching, give Pablo Lopez some more time off, and Starling Marte now will have almost a full week from the time of the injury to recoup, and maybe that'll make a difference. As I said with the orthopedics that I've talked to, they believe that one week could help with the pain and the swelling, and he might have a chance. Maybe you don't rush him into game one, give him an extra day or two, and then have him come in game two or game three. It's best to five. So if you lose game one, maybe you bring him out there. Maybe if you win game one, you wait even longer until it's 1-1 or then you're down a game potentially, then you bring him out there. We'll have to see. I don't want to push it. And with the way the team's been playing right now, they've been solid. It's not going to be easy to beat Max Freed and Ian Anderson the way they're throwing right now. But the Marlins looked really good against Freed. He hadn't given up a home run all year, and then he gave up two to the fish. So there's just no predicting what's going to happen right now. But one thing that I can tell you is as long as the Marlins starting pitching has looked like it's looked, then they're going to be able to compete. And the one thing I will say about the Braves right now is that They've actually really struggled offensively. They have not been that force that we've seen in the past. And, yeah, they had some tough matchups as well. They had to go against Trevor Bauer, who really carved them up, and then they struggled all the way into the 13th inning. But they're hitting 195 as a team. They've struck out more than 40% of the time. That's a good sign for the Marlins, who have pitchers that are really on and have been doing pretty well. So we'll see how that all works out and how the Marlins decide to Go with their rotation in that one Because remember, Sixto Sanchez did struggle mightily In that second start against the Braves Who seemed to figure him out a little bit Though he wasn't on And he was a lot more sharp today So was it the fact that they figured him out Was it the fact that he was off Was it a little bit of both Probably the latter It was probably a little bit of both But I still think now that you win in two You have the ability to mix things up a little bit I think you can go to Lopez before Sixto Which I fully expect to see And that's a great thing for the Marlins because if we assume that Sixto might struggle against the Braves, they're going to have Sandy and Pablo going. At that point, hopefully, they could get one, maybe two, and then Sixto's a bonus. If he can figure it out, he can figure it out. But at least you have a little breathing room if the Braves are just, for whatever reason, a team that he struggles against. And for whatever reason is the fact that they're one of the best lineups in baseball with a lot of really good right-handed power hitters. So we will have a really fun series coming up. And in a neutral site in Houston, which I will get into in the next podcast about how playing in Houston will impact the series. Does that help the Marlins? Does it hurt the Marlins? Does it matter in terms of stadium dimensions and all that good stuff? It's going to be interesting because neither team has played there very much. And you need to be comfortable with that field in terms of how everything works in the outfield. It's very weird dimension-wise, and it's going to be interesting, but I think it's advantage Marlins in that regard because of how much speed they have. They can wreak some havoc on the bases and try and take those extra bases. We've seen some inside-the-park home runs there with the way the ball caroms off the walls there. There's a short porch and left. A lot of moving parts, and I'm very excited to dive into that stuff. What a series. What a season. The Marlins continue to roll, and they have not lost a postseason series in franchise history. The streak continues. It's just absolutely unbelievable. As always, feel free to tweet any questions at me at rmlaton on Twitter and at LockedOnMarlins. I will try to get to any of those, and I'll probably do another mailbag episode in the days off going into the next series here as I mix in some previews one of the previews I will definitely incorporate some of your questions I really enjoyed answering your questions on the last podcast thank you for listening thank you for your questions thank you for your support it has been so much fun sharing this season with you let's hope that it keeps going cuz I'm not tired of doing these podcasts although I am going to do the podcast into the off season though I cut it back to it'll be cut back to 3 days per week instead of 5 let's hope that's not happening anytime soon because I am enjoying doing these 5 times a week with the Marlins still playing baseball. Tons of teams are done playing ball, but the Marlins are still playing. So let's enjoy this. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking Marlins baseball with you tomorrow. Make that Marlins playoff baseball with you tomorrow.